Hello and welcome to Regarding ID. I'm your host, Chris Corum, Executive Editor with Avizian Publishing, and today we're going to talk about hacking. There's been a lot of press coverage of late of two independent attacks on the MyFair Classic contactless chip. The claims are that the Crypto One cipher that protects that chip has been discovered and, and reverse engineered in essence, such that the, the systems that are, that are protected via these chips may be vulnerable. That's important to the industry in that it's probably the most widely deployed and used contactless product in history. Billions, actually, of chips have been issued to protect everything from contactless transit fare collection systems to building access control and and government security. There is a lot of talk from both the industry side and the hacker community side, and we're going to try and delve into that today by speaking with both sides of of the issue and trying to find out what may be the truth that lies here in these alleged claims. One of the attacks was led by a researcher named Karsten Knoll, who's a PhD student at the University of Virginia. His team actually took layers off of the chip, photographed them with microscopic photography, and then analyzed the different blocks and sectors within the chip as a means to reverse engineer the cryptography and that Crypto One cipher. I spoke with Karsten Knoll from Germany and asked him how he got started in this process of investigating RF technologies and whether or not he considers himself a researcher or a hacker. I'm, I'm a cryptographer through my research, and I was interested in, in these RFID chips um, early on for, for, the, for, for, the, for the challenges they bring about for cryptography. Now, I, I do actually consider myself a hacker in, in the definition of somebody who's interested in in finding elegant solutions to, to, to tough technical problems, not so much in the definition of somebody who, who breaks other systems, but sometimes that can be helpful too, if it's done for, for the, for the uh, public better, so to speak. But yeah, I'm, I'm combining being a hacker and being a PhD candidate, and it, it worked out well for me. I'm, I'm, I, I, I get inspiration from the one side for the other often. So, so how about the timeline for this project? When did you start looking at the, the MyFair Classic product and how long did it take? How did, the, how did the whole process go between the time you began and the time that you, I guess, made the announcements at the, at the recent C3 uh, exposition? We spent about two years on, on, on the, the MyFair Classic chips where two years ago we really had no idea how to approach this and played around with different ways to maybe um, communicate to black box analysis of these chips that, that quickly failed. We then um, went, went through a back and forth of, of testing out new ideas, often acquiring more knowledge to do so. I, I, did, I did go to, to, to several lectures just so that I could finish this, this project, but it, it was an ongoing project and, and each of us learned, learned a great deal through that. And from, from watching your presentation and what I've been reading, it seems like what you, what you feel like you learned was that there were some, some significant vulnerabilities in, in the design of the security regarding that chip specifically. Um, That's right. Can you, can you talk us through, I, from a layman's perspective, you know, we hear about the 16-bit the random number generator and that that is not probably the, the ideal choice in a secure system and, and 48-bit keys being vulnerable. But can you give us an idea at a real high level? Um, what's what 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 are the weaknesses? Is the problem just simply that 
this is a 10 or 15 year old product that, that, that can't keep up today or were there some significant flaws in the design? It's both really. It's the, the, the security level that, that was intended um, 15 years ago um, would not be sufficient anymore. So that, that's the short key for you. That, 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 that's just too easy to get by, by trying all possible keys. But this, this specific product, um, from what, what, what we see in, uh, now, now analyzing this previously secret algorithm, doesn't even achieve the security level. So, so while, while the, the security is outdated now, it, it wasn't even strong to begin with because of weaknesses in, as you, as you said, the random number generator, but also on, on, on protocol level mistakes. And then in addition, uh, a, a very weak cryptographic cipher that, that basically discloses the, the secret key, which a cipher obviously should never do. That brings to mind is the concept of, of security through obscurity, and I certainly saw that discussion in your in your talk at C3 and in other pieces. But is that was the idea that the the chip was designed with the idea that as long as the these concepts were were held private, they even if the, the keys were not strong, the random generator was not not implemented correctly, it would still be secure enough. Is that is that a concept that you think came into play there? I, I think part of the security does rely on, on the, the obscurity and the secrecy of these algorithms. But the, 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 the algorithms were still designed with the intention to provide this 48-bit security level. And now, um, knowing that that isn't the level you would need uh, today, it, it more and more relied on the secrecy of these algorithms. I don't think that, that the company knew of the, the cryptographic weaknesses to the degree that we have discovered them now. So even for them, it came as a shock how much it relied uh, on the obscurity. Okay. I, I, I can't really uh, guess what, what will happen in this market, but I hope there will be more competition, more competing products that, that maybe include open design as, as one of the features that they could also market and exactly then pointing to, to our works and similar works where closed designs were broken previously. You talked about in your in your speech that that you were not giving out the full details on 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 what you had learned about the crypto one cipher, but that you would be doing so at some point next year. Um, so right. so so a way I think I think a quote actually was if you're relying on MyFair security, you you need to start migrating was kind of the the point of the of, of that part of your talk. Right. Some people are going to look at that and go, wow, these are good guys. They're giving the issuers time to secure their facilities and, and the transit bodies who are using these cards for, for, for millions of fare collection tokens and things. Um, we've got, they've got time to address it. But some other people are going to look at that and go, wow, that sounds kind of almost like a ransom note. We, I wouldn't go quite as far. I, I, I would, though, acknowledge an argument that would say that we, we are playing along in the, in the obscurity game now by ourselves not disclosing these details and still keeping it secret to some degree, yet uh, claiming that it can easily be found. And, and we, we're clearly balancing two things here. We, we do want everybody who, who, who uses these cards, in particular for high security systems, much higher security than, say, a public fair card. We, we want every, every one of these systems to, to, to wake up and to, to, to realize how insecure these systems are. And, um, 
and we, we do need to give them sufficient time to do so. In London, for example, probably the largest um, deployment of, of these MyFair cards in the Oyster card there, the, the news only got out about a week ago where, where they now start this, this public discussion. And we want to give them sufficient time to do so, but eventually we'll, we'll clearly have to, to convince that the, the last ones that are still claiming we haven't found it, we will have to release it and, and to, to allow others to also analyze the security and maybe find additional flaws that we, we didn't even find. I noticed from some of the early coverage there were some mistaken or, or apparently mistaken comments about the that this could affect bank cards and credit cards by some of the reporters that covered your right. co covered your announcements. Um, then I noticed some statements, some pretty strong statements or purposeful statements, I should say, on your part. It looked like on the website and in other pieces, saying that they do not. I'm curious. It, it almost read as if, as a cynic, I guess, or a skeptic, it almost read a little bit like you might have been pressured into making a public statement about that. Were you contacted by, by people from the financial world or the no, card no, no, not at, no, nobody from from the credit card business. I, I don't think has has ever talked to an academic. They they still <laughs> play play the obscurity game very very uh, thoroughly. But um, I I I did. Uh, wanted to to clear um, clear up some some confusions about my work by by going public and saying that this does not affect credit cards. Not because I I think credit cards are secure, just because they are a different technology. And in fact, I think credit cards are even less secure than what we looked at. But that that wasn't focus of of our research. And other other researchers have already found that. And and the belief really in the credit card community it seems is that. You can by by just analyzing the transactions, you can you can uh, have fraud detection schemes and find thieves after the fact. But I, that that's that's nothing that that a cryptographer would comment on. I, uh, our our solution to to have security built into the system, as opposed to hoping to find thieves later, seem seem, right. seem to capture the problem better. Yeah. How do you capitalize on this? Very few actions of anybody left in the world today don't have some kind of a financial motivation to them. Well, I I, I personally don't capitalize on this at all in the, in the monetary sense. I I do get publicity, and I'm very grateful, for example, for being on on your podcast at the moment. And this is this is one of the ways in in which I get something out of this work. And then. Um, Eventually, somebody will will give me a PhD for this work and and work surrounding it. So there there is something in it for me, but it's it's not that 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 I need to make money. But th this is really getting at the, the the greater question of, of what what motivates hackers, and there's certainly many hackers that the ones that that write viruses and take over computers for profit that that, that do get money out of these these systems. But I I I do think there's something. There's something to be said for just the, the, the beauty of, of solving problems and puzzles, and that, that many people just do that without any any further motivation. And then, if as kind of a, a second motivation, this is also arguably uh, for, for the better good, for, to, towards better systems for everybody. Then those two things are really what motivates tech, and not so much the money. Um, so yeah, from from our interaction with industry at the moment, we we feel like that there is a strong struggle even within companies between marketing and engineering, where where, where engineers often uh, know about the insecurities of their products, but uh, marketing just for for in, increased sales in the short run 
still uh, knowingly sells bad products, and we, we we hope that our work contributes to 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 at least helping these engineers now have have a reference that they can point to and and have have an example of what will eventually happen if if you do sell bad products. How and 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 Karsten, to conclude here, let me ask you what you're what you're thinking about next. What's your what's the research topics and things for the future? Have you have you and and or your your team there thought about what you what you're interested in looking at once you once well, you've completed your work here? On on the constructive side, we're really now contributing to 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 making system current systems and and future systems better and and to to also propose and this is again my PhD thesis to propose new crypto that was developed in a more open design fashion um, to exactly help these systems and current systems for, for, for our future hacking work. We're now looking at, at more proprietary crypto that, that we find everywhere um, that also secures um, thousands or millions of, of systems. And uh, one thing in particular we're looking at in the, at the moment are uh, in-house cordless phones where where you, you, you usually just assume that there is some security built in so that your, your neighbor can't wiretap on your communication. And we, we find the protection to be somewhat insufficient for that end. For others who might be interested in, in keeping up after this is after they've listened to this, is there a, a, a website where they can, can, can learn more about what you're doing? I do have some personal information, uh, some, some information on the microclassic cut on my personal website, which is hosted at the, the computer science um, website. Um, but if you, if you just Google my name, then um, th that should pop up as, as the first page. Next, we spoke with Manuel Albert from NXP to get the company's take on this, these alleged attacks and, and the reality and the threat level to their customers and issuers of the MyFair contactless product. The claims are focused on, the, on those products in the MyFair portfolio that include the MyFair classic um, encryption algorithm. Those are the MyFair 1K, the MyFair 4K, and the MyFair Mini. We don't have an exact number especially since NXP is not the only silicon provider for the MIFA product. But we expect that uh, there are approximately in between 1 and 2 billion products out there in the market. The MIFA Classic family was first introduced in 1994. And since then, um, this uh, total number of about in between 1 and 2 billion products has have been shipped into the market. So uh, we can assume that only a fraction of those products are still being used in the market. 1994 as the initial issuance of the product, and and so that makes it you know a a 15 year old a 15 year old chip, you know is is this just kind of a natural cycle? Do you feel like in a in a in a product's evolution, or is this something truly a vulnerability perhaps that that was there from the beginning, or or what? Any any comments on that? I would answer this question this way that we always strive to introduce new products that are up. Um, that are up to snuff with the latest attack scenarios that become known in the industry. So over many years, um, you learn about new attack scenarios and about new vulnerabilities and about new measurements, how you can um, further increase the security level of products and systems that you introduce into the market. So what we strive to is to um, always complement our product portfolio with new additions to the product family that include the latest security measures. At the same token, though, um, 
even products that have been introduced many, many years ago, um, such as the Meister Classic, are still um, good enough for many systems that are being, uh, you, uh, being deployed in the industry today, simply because you always have to look at the entire system approach itself. So on the one hand, you always want to look at the value of the assets that you really want to protect with, with a secure smart card system. Secondly, then it's, you want to strike a balance in between those security measures that you in, include in the card and those that you include in the infrastructure of the overall system itself. And third, you can obviously then also add additional security measures, such as security pers personnel or video surveillance and uh, similar measures. And then overall, what you strive to do is to strike a balance in between the overall security level that those three measures then provide on the one hand, and on the other hand, um, the cost of the overall system. And you might know, might know very well have the uh, case that even products that have been introduced 15 years ago are certainly good enough to be still used in systems deployed today, depending on the additional security measures that you include in the overall system and uh, the value of the assets that you are trying to protect. So typically the role of a system integrator then strike the right balance in between the security measures and the features that have been included in the card, and obviously then also the cost of those features in the card, and the features that um, they then rather include in the overall um, system infrastructure, um, which then obviously increases the cost of the system infrastructure, but overall might provide a better balance than putting out a high-cost, high-security product into the hands of the consumers. It seems like this is being considered more than just a theoretical attack by the industry and by NXP. Is that, is, is that correct in that statement? Well, we certainly take those claims very seriously. And we have uh, spent significant time on reviewing those attack scenarios and have then accordingly um, communicate, uh, communicated back to um, system integrators, our partners and customers alike, about our assessment as to how um, these um, claims apply, uh, in our view, to um, real-life systems, and uh, that we have then indeed then also recommended system creators to take a very close look at those presented attack scenarios to assess them for themselves as to whether or not those additional security measures that they may or may not have included in their systems are sufficient, or whether they should decide to add additional security measures in the system, or whether they come to the conclusion that the security level provided um, by the system installed today using this technology um, is still good enough given the um, overall value of the assets that they are trying to protect. Okay. Does the, when something like this happens, or specifically in this case, have the, I guess there's two separate teams that are claiming to have uh, uncovered something here. Did they, have they come to NXP and said, here's what we've done, and, and did they have they demonstrated that to you, or are they being a little bit cagey with the information and saying, hey, here's what we think we can do, or Here, here's what we've done, but we're not going to show it to you? Well, it's, it's different from case to case. In, in these two um, recent scenarios, we learned as NXP about the um, first attack scenario by Carson Nolan and the researchers only after 
um, the, uh, they gave this presentation at the Chaos Computer Club mm -hmm. um, conference back in uh, December of last year. Um, typically, what uh, situation that we um, see is that uh, we are being approached by universities and, uh, and, and individual researchers also proactively who advise us of findings that they and claims um, that they have um, come to. And then we review that carefully and then accordingly communicate uh, back to them and to, um, on, on an individual case basis, and to system integrators and partners, depending on our findings and our assessment. But you, you truly find both scenarios, so that, uh, that you, on the one hand, are being um, approached proactively, or that, that we also simply learn it from um, um, reports in the press. And this is, this is kind of a continuous process. You can really um, imagine this as a kind of a race always in between um, one side that's trying to attack new measures and the other side who is trying to um, leverage from, the, from those attack scenarios and, uh, and then build even stronger measures to overcome those um, threat scenarios again. Right. And as a, uh, and this is a very good example, really, of this continuous race is also the introduction of our latest product, our latest addition to the um, overall MITER portfolio, which uh, is the MITER Plus. This is now a new product that is positioned in between today's MITER Classic offering, so the MITER Mini, MITER 1K, MITER 4K on the one hand, and our high-end um, offering in the contactless-only um, uh, portfolio being the MITER Deathfire 8 family. And this new product, MITER Plus, has a big advantage that it um, is backwards compliant to the existing infrastructure um, where MIFA Classic is being used today. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, it already provides new features that can be turned on if a system integrator then decides to um, step up its overall system infrastructure to the next level. From my experience watching the time that it takes for new products to roll out, I assume that this, this Plus product had to be in, in development long before you learned of these attacks in December. It typically takes about in between one and three years to develop and design new product, mm -hmm. um, a new addition to the family. Even once you have a good idea of the feature set that you want to provide on the functional side, um, in the next step, you also, also then want to make sure that the security measures and features that you build into that product are really up to par with the latest threat scenarios. So on the one hand, you start early on planning um, a new product, but then again, you also have to figure in um, the latest developments in the market to make sure that this product is valid by the time that it's being introduced. Because even once you have frozen your specification in between that moment in time, and the release of um, volume um, products for supply into the market, um, you will easily find that a year is is um, is at the low end of of a time frame that that you would have to expect. The Smart Card Alliance is an industry organization that represents manufacturers and suppliers of smart card technology, chip technology, and other security and identity products. I had the opportunity to speak with Randy Vanderhoek, executive director of the Smart Card Alliance, and ask him how he feels about attacks and, and threats in general, and specifically this proposed or claimed MyFair Classic attack. This type of news you know, does happen on a regular basis um, within the, the smart card industry. The industry is you know, well aware of this. In fact, um, many of the developers 
um, you know, encourage researchers to look at their, their security architectures and, and um, you know, advise them on where they think things can be improved. And, you know, one of the, the reasons why smart card technology has remained the, really the gold standard for security applications is because it's constantly getting better and, and smart people who know how to attack uh, electronic uh, security systems are, are involved in the industry in terms of how to uh, make them even stronger in the future. Okay, so, so it sounds like you would agree then with the statement that the kind of the public exposure of these of, of vulnerabilities like this can be a good thing as long as it's handled in the handled in the proper way. And I suppose public exposure of these is always better than the private exposure where, where someone would figure out how to do something and potentially try and use it for criminal activity as opposed to disclosing it and helping us to build a, a, a better and more secure product. Yeah, Chris, I think the challenge really comes in when the science of the technology gets um, gets mingled up with the public perception of of what the risks really are, and unfortunately, what tends to happen in these scenarios is, um, you know, good research is is done and and the results are published, and then the media picks up on on the the headlines and then speculates on on what that means. And, and very often what happens is the story starts to take on a life of its own because it, it begins to grow in people's minds that if this scenario happened, then therefore uh, a, a, another you know, more ominous scenario is likely to occur. RF-enabled payment cards are secure and safe for, for people to use whether they're using them in a payments application for transportation or whether they're using it as a part of their credit card or debit card systems. Um, these, these technologies were, were implemented primarily to address the security flaws and risks of the previous technologies. So every time uh, new innovation comes in terms of these types of payment vehicles, um, steps are, are being implemented to make consumers more protected and systems to be more secure, not the other way around. But in, in, in all um, business cases, uh, the implementers, you know, have to um, balance the needs of the, of the market and the, the business that they're trying to uh, use the technology for. And there's choices that can be made in terms of the types of technologies and the level of security that those technologies are are being selected for. I've been encouraged by some of the recent more balanced reporting on the story when media outlets have taken the time to listen to what the researchers have to say and also listen to what the manufacturers and the industry experts have to say. Our statement that we put out, you know, last week had to correct you know, a story that appeared in an AP article that, you know, linked this technology um, security risk to, you know, credit cards and debit cards, which is absolutely inaccurate. And unfortunately, what tends to happen is when a trusted source like AP prints something, then that enables and emboldens other media outlets to um, believe it must be true, and then therefore they take the story and, and it starts to, you know, to build on itself. 
All right. So there you have it. We have talked to industry representatives. We've talked to the manufacturer and the the IP owner of the MyFair technology. And we've talked to the hacker or the leader of the hacker group that has that has found the vulnerabilities in the product. So we hope we've been able to present kind of a an open approach and shown you all sides of the issue. What did we learn? I don't know for sure. A lot of things. Certainly that there's a, a push and a pull between cost and security. We've learned that 15-year-old technology in the security industry may at times be suspect and that maybe that shouldn't surprise us. But we've also learned that companies like NXP and the rest of the smart card industry are, are professionals and are ahead of the game. And likely, our products and our solutions will be secure as long as we stay tuned and, and keep listening to the advice and the, the counsel that comes from these groups. I think we've also learned that there are times, despite the industry's approach that or the thought that maybe these hacks and 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 perp- or potential perpetrated hacks are fake that you know they're not always fake there are certainly theoretical attacks that we've covered over the years but then there are those that that turn out to be practical as it looks like in this case there may well be so hope you keep listening and and we'll try and keep you informed as we find out anything new take care this is chris Corum with regarding id